This is a Life School Podcast, episode number 178. And today, let's talk about mentoring those who are eventually going to take our place in the world. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. It is good to be back with you. Here we are. We've got a whole batch of killer stuff today and then in the weeks ahead, and I'm yeah. really excited about all that's coming up. Yeah, a year and a half of, of podcasts going strong. Here we are. I think that perhaps we're in a, the summer doldrums a bit. Yeah. You know, people are busy and they'll be catching up with some of the Life School podcasts. I just want to, you know, tell if you're listening today, you know, Monday we release these things, cranking early, uh, these new episodes. And so, gosh, you know, uh, if you subscribe, then ding, it's going to be in your phone or whatever device you're using to listen to podcasts and you're going to have it. Yep. And so it can be part of your commute, your Monday morning walk part of your devotion it could be part of your gym routine or whatever so kids are driving you crazy just put in your headphones and tune them out while they eat cereal i have started listening to more podcasts lately because i've become more of a welcome early morning walker yeah and uh, i i'm like perfect time to like and i have different day parts that i will walk sometimes and then i have different kinds you know like in the afternoon i might listen to some something to do with technology or business related you know but in the morning i want it to be a little more devotional you know and all that so yeah i had a buddy the other day this is kind of funny uh he was showing me a podcast and he has a theory and i think he's right and you can try i haven't tried it on our show yet but he slows every pot he was accidentally listening to a podcast by dan cummins and he hit the the half speed (laughs) and it sounded like he was just sloshed like just had 50 beers and he was trying to do the podcast and he's like it works for every podcast wow he's like so we pulled up this lady who's given a ted talk slowed it down to 50 percent. so if we drank talk. five or ten more beers each then we'd sound like that you're saying yeah so <laughs> if, you know if you if you want a 50 minute podcast just speed it down to 50 percent, and wow. you'll hear us talk like we've had what too much to drink so, yeah be, <laughs> i'm gonna try it i'm gonna try it uh, yeah, hey, today we got a special guest with us, Dr. Rick Bartlett. This is a good friend of yours, right? The doctor, yeah. I spent two years in his uh, master's program at Tabor University on entrepreneurship and innovation. Dr. Rick, is it anything like Dr. Phil? Better and more hair. <laughs> I've kind of met him, not in person, right? But yeah. sort of on the you've phone. You've served us, like you've served the community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Rick has worked all over the world, England, Tacoma, now he's in Wichita. <laughs> That's all over. It's <laughs> <laughs> all Yeah. But he's worked with young people, young adults for over 30 years. He's written a ton of books. He wrote one that we'll get into today about emerging culture uh, and leadership. Consuming Youth is, is the title of it. But he's, he's a super well-spoken guy, has a real heart for next generation of people learning faith and, and how to be mentored. And so I'm anxious to talk to him and get some insight on how to dig deeper with the, you know, there's youth around us all the time, kids, yeah. the youths, right? And, um, and how to go a little bit deeper with them, not as your own kids, yeah. but like in the role of mentoring and all that. And so I'm excited and I'm really glad that Rick's going to be with us today. Um, hey, Rick, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So I got, I got to tell you up front, I worked with middle schoolers, okay, like a gazillion years ago, and I did it probably way too long. And, and I, I checked in with Jesus and he said, yeah, special jewels in your crown for that. And then I worked with high schoolers <laughs> for several years. But man, you have been working with youth for like 30 plus years, okay? So... I got to ask, like, why? Like, what? (laughs) Now, what keeps you so passionate about working with youth? Oh, my goodness. Um, The passions come from seeing 
kids transform their lives. Like it's a it's a perfect hinge point in time where life just changes for for a kid, especially if you think about moving from a from a uh, from a kid who's in junior high up to a, up to a high school student. It's just it's so fun to see that transition take place. Um, and also, I love the the interaction that happens in uh, in their lives as they start to expand their mind, their brain starts to work a little bit differently and they can suddenly ask questions that they'd never thought of before. I love seeing the light bulbs go on. Those are some of the reasons. I just think it's so fun. Yeah. It's, you know, middle school, high school, right? It was the best of times. It was the worst. Of times. Yes. yes. And, and we talk a lot on life school about identity and, and what we believe to be true about God and what he thinks of us and what's true of our identity. And boy, it, it, it talk about a time in humans' lives when their identity is really being formed and they're, and they're finally starting to think about it a little bit, you know? Yes. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's powerful, man. Well, thank you for your 30 plus years of service to our nation's youth. So <laughs> you're leaving a giant legacy. And I am done with working with middle schoolers as far as I know. I'm too old. I remember the last huge like middle school conference thing that I preached and and it was like I got done with it and I was like man I think I aged out I don't you know the jokes or those Johnny Carson jokes just aren't ringing like they used to no <laughs> I'm, right. I'm kidding but anyway so I just had a uh, I actually before we started recording this had lunch with a guy um that I go to church with he's an older buck uh older than Caesar Ooh. and older than you Rick and we were talking about uh, just different generations and entitlement that he felt that our, my generation has, and we were talking about the good old days of his In generation. In my day, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. we walked to school uphill. What do you think um, culture's message is uh, for youth today? Do you think there's what's some, the dominant message? Yeah, what do you think the dominant message is that it's trying mm. to to teach? I think I think the dominant message is this idea of you are what you consume. And I don't know if that's changed much over the last 15, 20 years, probably, but hmm. there's this sense of, you know, culture is saying to, to kids, Hey, get this Nike gear, wear this um, stuff from uh, Hollister or whatever. It's, it's sort of forcing them into this, this idea of where, where they are is who they, you know, who they, who they are is what they consume. And I guess, I guess, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can do, you know, kind of thinking about it from a from a Christian perspective, from a followers of Jesus perspective, how can we respond to that, and what can we do to to help them think through that? I mean, some of the things um, I was able a, a number of years ago to write a book called Consuming Youth, and we did talk about this whole issue and this whole point. And one of the things that we thought was the church could respond to that by saying, actually, you're not who you you're not who you are by what you consume. You're who you are by how God made you. This idea of identity that you mentioned earlier, Caesar, and you're who you're who you're called to be. How God's wired you, and what you can do um, uniquely as a person who's following Jesus. So there's a there's a narrative that we can lo- give to them that's sure. different than the narrative they're getting from the world. In in uh, in my book, Bigger Gospel, uh, mm-hmm. I t- we talk a lot about do to be like that the world teaches that what you do equals who you are and your Mm. value. And I think you're, you're saying the exact same thing is that what you consume, what you own, what you put on the masks that you purchase, wear and and fight to keep in place equals your value and who you are. Yep. Yes. Right. So Rick, how do you think the church can provide a different, or I want to say a better story 
Mm -hmm. I think one of the things, and I know your your listeners, you know, in many ways I'm preaching to the choir because we're talking to people who are focused on mission or thinking about missional community and things. Um, yeah. But I think I think we can help teens engage with their faith by by walking with them, by doing it with them. You know, like like coming alongside. I, I've been so inspired by some research that came out of the Fuller Youth Institute. Um, they had a book that came out a couple years ago called Growing Young. And one of the things that they were emphasizing or asking churches to consider was a five to one ratio in the church to every young, five adults for every young people person, wow. which which is crazy numbers. But what they meant was I love five it. people who care about that young person, not necessarily our youth sponsors and volunteers, but I'm sure that even though, you know, as you were mentioning before, even though you're not doing active youth ministry, I'm sure the young people that you connect with, you're still friendly, you're engaging, you're saying, hey, how was the football game last week? Or, you know, it's those kind of connections that a community can have that really will form and shape the young person and then doing mission with them. Um, which again, I know I'm preaching to the choir. That's what your listeners are all yeah, about. Yeah, but we're all um, learning, man. We're keep going. Mm, we're all learning here, you know. And, and I think I think those kind of things are are what help students to grow. And then maybe the third thing would, would be don't don't freak out over their questions. Um, mm. I I was um, so impacted. This was a number of years ago, and I was reading a, a article about a person who had left the faith, was an atheist and that kind of thing. And he basically said that he grew up in a, in a Christian family. He was going to a Christian school, actually. And he started asking some of those typical teenage questions that are, you know, can be annoying, can be difficult, but at their core have some real value for the young person themselves. So, you know, where did, where did Cain get his wife or, you know, that, those kind of really kind of like, sure. come on, really type of questions. I, I call, I call those, I put this in a category called what about the Nephilim? Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Who were those guys? Right. Or exactly. Nephilim or however people want to bring <laughs> yes. Like really yeah. giants are having yeah. babies with their girls. Oh my God. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and in this article, this atheist was writing, he was told by the, by the people at his Christian school, and this is his quote. I don't know if this happened, but this is what he said. He was told, sit down, shut up, and have a cup of tea. Now, he was in Ireland where this happened. And the cup huh. of tea part, I totally can understand <laughs> that sure. they would say that. <laughs> and from that moment on, he thought, if the church can't handle my questions, if God's not big enough to handle my questions, then I'm going to walk away. So I had the same exact thing happen in religion class growing up. I was I was a uh, a protestant i was a protestant going to a catholic school and i'd ask all kinds of crazy questions and it was the same exact response really it was wow. like sit down kalinowski shut up yeah. <laughs> all right thank you sister wow. thank you just trying to understand yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's really interesting <laughs> rick do you think that uh i was just telling caesar before we started recording that you know in my life um a lot of the reason that i followed jesus was because of my youth pastor and and i was thinking through some of my friends who've been you know people of faith Oftentimes, it's not even their parents that are the most influential people in their life. It's it's people outside of the house. It's friends or or family friends or mentors or teachers, stuff like that. Do you think uh, you think there's something to that? I, I really do. I think um, I think it, it feels to me. Maybe this is uh, kind of just my gut experience, but having been a youth pastor for a number of years, in addition to the other roles that I've done, I I think. It, it, it appears that that role is shifting a little bit, but young people still need that mentor, 
someone who cares about them that will take them out for a Starbucks, you know, and have a coffee and like re- reflect with them a little bit on some different things. And I, I wonder if, if the youth pastor is, you know, busier, there's bigger groups um, that that person or whoever that person is, is, is absolutely essential in the life of a young person. Um, my 19 year old is uh, seeing a spiritual director. Yeah, that's what he wanted to do for answering those kind of questions and walking through those kind of things. So mm-hmm. I think I think those that role, whatever it might be, whether we call it a mentor or it's the youth pastor or it's a spiritual director or something, I think is essential for young people to explore their those questions that other my other people might say, sit down, shut up, and have a cup of tea. Like wrestling <laughs> with those those questions because adolescent development, you know, their brain is shifting from a concrete to an abstract way of thinking. And so Mm -hmm. suddenly things that they just accepted as a child are, are now just blown open, but it's because their brains are different. It's not because they're trying to be mean or nasty or rude. It's, they suddenly can think of things that they never thought of before. And we have to take that seriously. Here's a two-part question. And so you can answer however you want. Like, what do you, what do you say to the parents listening who say, yeah, but my kids really should be getting those kind of questions answered for me. And mm-hmm. here's the second side of it, the other side of the coin. You know what? I'm glad my kids could find somebody to answer those kind of questions for them mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're not going to ask me. Or they won't listen to me. So, you know, you see what I'm saying? There's two sides to that. What What do you say to those either of those parents or both? I would say the best advice that we got from some people when our children were small is that they said, have dinner together often. And I know I've heard you you talk about that, too, as a, as a, on this podcast. Sure. Um, have dinner together and then be willing to discuss anything. So I'll never forget in fifth grade, our oldest daughter came home and said, oh, the teacher left the classroom today. This was at a public school. Teacher left the classroom and two girls kissed. Hmm. We have a third grader and a fifth grader at home. And so we just took it on. We started talking about it. Well, what did you think? Well, how did it make you feel? Like we, we just, we didn't freak out. And I guess for those parents that are saying they should be talking with me, then I would say, amen, you're right. Go for it. And just don't freak out and be willing to go (laughs) with whatever the conversation. So we have had the craziest and most free flowing. And I I suppose if someone was a fly on the wall at our house, they'd be like, Rick, you're a pastor and you let your kids talk about that. Yeah, Uh, because that's real life. It's what they're dealing with on a daily basis. I think a lot of parents, though, get they get before it even gets started, they would go like, yeah, but I'm afraid I won't have an answer to that Mm. or I won't have the right answer to that. Yeah. And so therefore I won't even try, you know. Right, right, right. And and I'm I'm terrible at that. Like I always think that too. I don't have an answer. I've just kind of learned to just keep asking questions and just keep kind of going back to them and well, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? And and just yeah. responding in that way because they're they're trying to wrestle through. And I just think being honest then and saying, I don't know, but hey, tomorrow night at dinner, I'll I'll look it up or I'll talk to my pastor or I'll find out from somebody uh, and, and come back to you with an answer. And what I'd say to that is that I think that the, the pursuit of relationship and understanding is really the goal, not yes. a correct answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. The longer I study the word, it's like, God, I just want to know you better. And the pursuit of, of, of the understanding is my goal now. It's not like I need the right answer. You know, and I think if parents would like relax into that a little bit and go like your kids don't need right answers. They need Mm -hmm. they need someone to journey with as they seek out that 
and they need to journey in relationship of trust and all that. And so yes. I know you're big on mentoring. What give us some understanding of then like that's we're talking parents there. What's the value of of a non-parental mentor in a young person's life? I think I think where that role can be really great is yes, when a when a student, high school student, young person feels like you know, maybe this is something I I just don't want to process with my parents. It's too embarrassing. Maybe it has to do with their relationships or something, and they're afraid that mom will you know have a freak out or whatever. I think I think it's helpful then to have somebody to process that with. And what I think a, a church or a Christian community can do is to um, provide that, like to try to find ways to facilitate those type of connections. Maybe it's two young people with one, one adult, you know, just for safety's sake and stuff. I, I know of a church that, that has this a setup in their kind of in their DNA that every time a young person enters seventh grade, they're, they are assigned or given or matched with a mentor from within the church. And mm-hmm. that person isn't necessarily in the youth ministry, but just mentors them throughout the entire length of their high school, junior high and high school career. And it's a church where my nieces and nephews have gone. And I know from, from that example that those people have become instrumental, life-changing, you know, they become a coach, they become a mentor, they become a cheerleader, they mm, become wow. you know someone who shows up at their graduation. And it's just, it's just an incredible kind of thing to give them that launching point and and it's a local it's just a person as part of their church you know i i was thinking too one of the things that our 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 mutual friend len sweet talks about is is the importance of of mentorship and discipleship you know throughout generations and he even mentions the concept of skipping a generation but the call to people that are like hey i'm entering into my retirement and i'm just gonna go sit on a boat and collect seashells Mm -hmm. like what better time to invest in young Mm -hmm. people i mean you've got no job like now is the time to pour in your energies and your passions and your wisdom and I think it reminds me of something that Caesar said a while back was I was saying that my oldest son, he's he's like a, a tight lipped, doesn't show emotion much. And so I'd sit at the table and ask him like, you know, how was your day? And he'd be like, eh, it was fine. But I would never get any heart out of that. And Caesar's like, well, why don't you reframe the question? Like ask him uh, maybe instead of like, how was your day? Like what was the best part of your day? And he might yes. go like, ah, oh, playing with my friends. Okay. Wh- why, why was that so a highlight for you? Well, because a, uh, I really like playing with them. Why? Because they make me feel loved and wanted. And then you can actually mine. I think that's a role of parents, really, is to enter into their world and, and try to mine out what's going on in their hearts. Yes. Uh, one of the things that you're talking about quite a bit, too, like throughout our our friendship and then even in your book, is the concept of like uh, calling on an individual, especially at a young age. Do you believe that a young person can actually be called from from the time they're young? And what does that look like? I, I do. I mean, Samuel in the scriptures is a great example of a little child getting called by God to then to, or Jeremiah, you know, who says, God, I'm too young, you know, call someone else. So sure. yeah, I think though, to, in today's day and age, we definitely can. And I think if a community, a missional community or a church or, you know, caring adults, uh, even parents are engaged enough with their young person, with their high school student, with their young man or woman, they can they can get a glimpse of maybe what God has gifted them with. I, I, I mm. think it's I think it's the role of a church to call and discern um, young people into ministry. So for a number of years, I ran a a, a program that was helping churches do just that. Mm. And I was thinking that, or I was thinking through how how can a church do those exact things? And so helping um, boards, elders, youth ministry staff 
to really come on alongside a young person to be able to say, wow, we think you have a gift for speaking, or we think you have a gift for worship leading, or, yeah. or you know, you're, you care for people. I mean, it doesn't have to be an upfront type of thing. But, but I can tell you, the reason I'm you know, having this conversation with you, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today is because Carmen Regeri and Bob Clayton said that to me when I was in junior high. And uh-huh. they said, hey, we think you have some gifts. They were my pastor and youth pastor. And and um, coming alongside and doing some of the other things we've been talking about gives you a glimpse into who that young person is. And you can just say things like, wow, you're a really great problem solver or you're a really great person. You, you listen really well. Sure. And so, I, yeah, I'm convinced that that idea of calling can move forward. And And yes, a church could set up a program that does something like that. Um, you could really help them, like we talk about in the book, um, this idea of helping them to understand that it's not what you consume, but how God has called you, how God has made you, that that really identifies who you are. And a youth pastor said to me one time, having done that with some of his young people, he said, you know what you've done? He said, you've ruined them for normal. And huh. at first I thought, oh no, he's mad at me. But then later, as we talked about it, he he was so happy. And then later I thought, wow, that's a badge of honor. Like, yeah. They don't need all the high school drama and who's the homecoming king and all this kind of stuff. They're there because they know they're on a mission and that God loves them and they're they're purposed on a complete mission from God. It's like, wow, sure. yeah, that's a good ruin. I like that. Well, Rick, yeah. I believe completely too that 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 people can receive and like start to understand their calling young in life. In fact, when I when people have babies and I like hold them and put hands on them and I pray on them and I, it's my favorite role, like you know, as old buck in the community, you know sort of pastoring role is uh-huh. I always pray, God, would you please place a calling on this child's life early? Like, let them just be super clear on who they are because of you and, and, and the, the, who you want them to be for you. You know, like just put that on. I have a very good friend who like, I don't know, I don't six or seven or something like that. He's like, I knew I was going to be like a, a teacher preacher guy. I just knew it. Huh. And it was affirmed early in his life and he went after it. Now I do have to throw one cautionary thing though in, to some of what you're saying. This isn't a correction, Rick, but I'm, I'm going to throw a cautionary thing. So often I've seen within the church those uh, efforts to try to provide on-ramps and calling for young people, unfortunately, accidentally reinforces the do-to-be. In other words, mm. what you do equals your value and how pleased we are with you because they only call them within the church to jobs and roles within a church service. And so then we we end up with this stilted understanding of calling that's in all of life calling versus, you know what your highest calling would be? To usher, to be a lead usher someday, and that's why that's why old Frank, who's been at the church for seventy years, you know, and he's still got the old you know wore out brass badge pinned to his jacket, and he's been ushering forever because that's his highest calling. I'm like, bro, you're calling it. That's a beautiful thing to do and serve, but your calling is so much higher than on stage at this church or setting up chairs at this church or showing up to do the food pantry at this church. You, sure. you know what I mean? And so yes. I just throw that caution to our listeners, not mm-hmm. to you, Rick, but to our listeners to say. Please do call people out and point out the things that God is pouring into them that look like him, that reflect his glory, but also help them connect the dots beyond this two-hour thing that we do on Sunday. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You're, yes. And I, I think, too, yes, we, we ran students through this, this program that we were doing, and some of them said, you know what? I really want to be a dentist. It's like, great, awesome. Go be a great dentist and yeah. carry on. Be the on. best dentist in your city. 
right? You know, mm-hmm. Part of where the whole life school work, even in my mind, came from is we used to do a thing uh, early on in Soma communities where uh, basically what we did with the kids very often was, was we would do a special week called life school, and we'd have somebody from our community come in and explain their job. I remember like some guy coming in dressed as a fireman. Someone else came in, literally brought a machine from Starbucks and set up with the green aprons. Cool. And they got little green aprons for all the kids. But they explained like, this is what I do, but here's who I am and why I think it's really important and God's using it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so they, yes. we tried to weave into their little calling minds, <laughs> you yeah. know, like there's all kinds of quote jobs out there, but what you're calling and what you're called to do is very, very different. So anyway, um, so what, what specifically can our churches and missional communities and small groups begin to do, do you think, to help our teenagers engage their faith, find their calling, all the above? First of all, would be to start paying attention to the young people among us, you know, in our groups, in our communities, to start asking them questions, to start, you know, caring for them, reaching across, whether they're your own kids or just others that, you know, you're just a part of a community, start asking questions, start learning their names, those kind of things. And then as a, as a missional community, as a group of people, as you do service, start inviting those young people to be a part. I think, I think there's a greater willingness and openness to do do things with adults than we maybe think. I think we sometimes buy the cultural line that says kids just want to be by themselves and you know they, hmm. they're all, all rebellious and all this kind of stuff. There, there's, there's a lot more desire to be among adults. Um, and yeah. then begin to speak into them and say, as you're working alongside them, say, wow, you're, you're really good. You're a really good listener. You know, those kind of things that help them to start getting a self-understanding that is maybe different than what their friends say, which is always cut downs and, you know, you're lame and whatever kind of comments that people make to each other, start speaking positive and life-giving things to to them, I think is a really good way to start. You know, that is one of the things we talk about on Life School a lot is this concept of, uh, you know, when it's a Wednesday night, Sunday morning lifestyle, you don't really have that relationship with people. When you're actually living in a life together in a missional community, uh, you know, we're part of one, and you're able to actually see people occasionally, so they develop relationships, and mm-hmm. and my kids start to trust that, and, and the adults are able to pour into the kids and say, hey, I know you love baseball, like, can I come throw the ball with you, and I know that you're really good at this, and it also, you know, it reminds me of this, or uh, the parents will look at the kid and say, you know, you remind me of Jesus when you do this, and so mm. there's this there's this community aspect that just it just isn't quite there when you're only seeing people for two hours a week in a church setting. You know what I mean? Yes. Good, good word, brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't ever do bad words. I just, <laughs> it's always, I always drop bombs when I talk. Well, Rick, again, thank you so much for having us on. Tell us a little bit about what, this book again and which book we should send people to first. Um, well, the, the one that, that I wrote with a couple guys is called consuming youth and it's a kind of a cultural background gives a bit of, what's going on in, in youth culture, and then some practical ideas that come out of some of the things we were talking about tonight, calling, mentorship, uh, identification right. of young people, and leading them leading them into a way that helps them understand who they are. Every one of our listeners was a youth, and or is, <laughs> and or has youth, and so many people have worked with youth, so I know that they're going to want to get that and are yeah. going to really take a lot from today. So thanks again for being with yeah. us, man. Well, hey, I'm going to give a plug before you hang up. Rick, it was, it's been fun. I enjoy our friendship. Uh, for those of you who uh, didn't catch on the front end of this podcast, I was part of a two-year program with Rick at Tabor College, which was a master's uh, in entrepreneurship and innovation. Really great for people that want to be creative and thinking about how to 
uh, engage all avenues with a more innovative way. So if you want more information, you can reach out to Rick. We're going to provide the information in the show notes on that. Some awesome program that I recommend. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Uh, let's get into the big three, which is the big three takeaways from our episode. Uh, there's a lot to pull from, uh, but we want to give this away to you by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 178, and you're going to get these big three for free. I'm going to tell them to you now, but you can download them if you want these, and they're usually expanded. And today, there's going to even be a bonus on the download. So anyway, here oh, we go. Here's my big three, though, from, from that conversation. Awesome. So first, kids and youth today are, I think, way more open to being engaged in the journey of discovery that they're on. Yeah. They're not trying to do it alone. They really, I, I think we're fearful, like, ah, oh, that's dumb. That's They really are more open to being engaged than we might think. As their world is moving from concrete and simple to more abstract and nuanced, mm-hmm. they're looking for guides, sounding boards, and encouragement. Like, and you don't have to be a parent or an expert to do this. Yeah. But you, you have to intentionalize it, right? It won't accidentally exactly. happen. Second thing, uh, poor words of affirmation about identity into the youth that are in your life, hmm. whoever they be, your own kids, kids at church, kids in your mutual community, whatever. Reinforce that they're image bearers of God. Like they can't yeah. hear that too often. And that they've been given a very high calling and authority and privilege through Christ. Hmm. It's not just like they get to go to heaven someday. Like seriously, pour that into them. Point out the aspects of their character and their actions that remind you of Jesus or the way that God is, Yeah. right? Like they, they're creating his image and there's stuff about them that's like him. Absolutely. Calling is more about identity than doing and role and all that stuff. Sure. And third, pay attention to the young people in your church or the kids in your small group or missional community. Like they're mm-hmm. there. They're not someone else's kids. They're your kids. They're your brothers and sisters. Right. Look at everybody at your church, your missional community, like a brother or sister. Ask them questions. Get to know them. Hmm. Ask them to join you when you're serving or like out sharing your gifts, either at church and especially elsewhere out in normal life. Yeah. Like think about who you could take along and say, Hey, this weekend I got to go do this. You want to come with, come with, yeah. Right. Come hang out. There again, doesn't, you don't have to be a parent to do that. You'll be amazed at the questions you'll get asked. Why are you doing this? Or why they say that? Or what, you know, Hmm. and the impact that you can have. Yeah. And I want to give you three to five really good like sort of questions as starters, the types of questions that you can start to ask that kind of go beyond like, start so, mining the know, heart. what's your yeah. favorite subject at school? Uh, you know, whatever. And so I'm going to put those in the big three as well, along with the expanded version of what I just said. Cool. And then that'll be, that'll give you a resource for doing that. And you, later again, you can do this with your kids. Yeah. I think it's good to minimally, but then also any of the kids and youth around you. Yeah. Look at that. We're giving away more free stuff. Not only do you get a free podcast, but you get this <laughs> free big three, the Boom. free good question starters. We're giving them all to you. Uh, you get it again by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 178 to receive the notes for this week's big three. And if you haven't joined our Facebook group, join us. Go to facebook.com up in the search bar, type in Life School Podcast. Get in there. We will approve you. We always have conversation about... Um, life i just put up some great pictures a couple weeks ago of me in a bird costume that was brutal dude ah, glorious it, that's worth signing up and being a part of the group just to see that picture use it against me at some point if you have to you know wow. <laughs> so we hope you join us on the facebook group you gotta quit day drinking when you're working <laughs> <laughs> hey join us next week we're going to talk about conflict in relationships mm. happy little subject like that yeah you know we've talked about uh, the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation in the past but conflict's a little bit different conflict is not all bad no and that's going to be the big takeaway for next week so i hope they're going to be here and join and us for that all experience it so be with us next week on the podcast we want to thank you for joining us today for more information you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast 